You're listening to Sue's Little Black Book, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by Creative Connecting in Cheshire. Hello, I'm Sue France, and each episode I will be introducing you to the inspiring and motivational entrepreneurs from my Little Black Book. back again today talking to Susie Mathis in the third of our podcasts this could run and run <laughs> hello Susie <laughs> hello Sue hi that little black book is getting bigger every day it is <laughs> <laughs> I thought today we'd just say a little bit more about Kirsty before we carry on with the rest of your life which continues and I hope will continue for a very long time I know you want to talk about the other people who helped the Kirsty appeal and a little bit more about how it ended. I don't think there's anybody that lives in the Manchester area that wasn't in some way inspired by this little girl. She really was a beacon of hope and health, really, because to actually outlive that prognosis for so many years, you know, I mean, it's just extraordinary. With the fundraising, when she was actually, you know, in her tiny vulnerable stages, right the way up until I finished really with the five million, she opens the pages of so many stories. Russell Watson, I was talking to you in our last podcast about the phone would go and people would, you know, go, oh my goodness me, who's this? I mean, we have to mention Russell for one, because I had a phone call from his manager. I've got a song. I've got a song. Russell wants to do this song for Kirsty. Come and meet me. And I went to meet him and sat in this car park while he played this song to me. The song was called Is Nothing Sacred Anymore? Is Nothing Sacred Anymore? I just sat and cried my eyes out. And I thought it was just absolutely beautiful. It was the perfect song. And it made you think, is nothing sacred anymore when a little girl can go through all this stuff? And so oh, many sweet. little girls and so many young people, the things they have to deal with, it's just awful. But Russell went far and far beyond. You know, he did so much for us. You know, I can't thank him enough. And then you've got to say that she met people like the man on the moon, Neil Armstrong. Incredible. I mean, for goodness sake. I mean, that is just, not many people can say that, can they? No. He was opening something at Tatton. He was doing a big, big conference at Tatton and they were supporting us. Again, here, how lucky were we to have these people supporting us as time went by. And we went along and she, of course, I went on and sort of told the story of Kirsty, and they met. And I remember saying, could you give us an autograph? And he said, no, I signed my signature away years ago. He could never sign an autograph strange isn't that incredible he sent us some beautiful memorabilia absolutely fantastic memorabilia so people like that I mean a little girl when you think about a little girl from Withenshaw and she's met so many people from Andrew Flintoff the cricketing world the football world the boxing world she's met everybody she's I mean it's just extraordinary and when we went to do the Pride of Britain where there were celebrities where they're just falling over themselves to see Kirsty everybody wanted to be next to Kirsty on the picture at Pride of Britain uh, if Joan Collins was like oh let me get in here she's like right by her famous famous people Richard Branson and enormous stars you know the Scylla Black when I look at the pictures now and I think you know gosh all those people that just falling over themselves just to be sat with her. And then the sports personality of the year, 
To be involved in that, she was the very first recipient of the Helen Rollinson Award for Courage Against Adversity. I remember vividly that they made sure that Kirsty couldn't go into the party because it was dark, it was gloomy, people could have fallen over her oxygen lead or, you know, something could have gone wrong. So they gave her a whole studio for her to be in while everybody from Boris Becker, you know, everybody that's anybody, every sports personality that was there to come and meet Kirsty. And they all came up, they all sat and talked to her. I mean, it's just extraordinary. extraordinary. It's amazing. If I could line up the photographs that I have of Kirsty throughout those years, she inspired everybody and they were world famous people. I've actually got, <laughs> got your book here. <laughs> but it was only halfway through. There was more after this book, wasn't there? That was very, very early on, wasn't yeah. it? If anyone wanted to buy this book, I'll give the link after. Is it still available? I don't think so. Oh, we'll have, not, they'll have to get a reprint. I don't think it is. I mean, I don't know, Suze. I, obviously, I do have a copy of it myself, yeah. but I don't know whether there is one or not, to be honest with you. Well, there'll have to be another one. There'll have to be another one written, won't there? Well, David did the foreword for that, didn't he, David Beckham? Yes, yes. He was a good one. Anyway, just to say, well done, Kirsty. Yeah. So how many years did Kirsty Peel run before she sadly passed away? I felt the need to finish. I had very sore knees from begging and I felt that I couldn't really ask anybody for anything else. I really felt that my charity days, I'd overdone it slightly and I'd certainly overdone it with myself. I just didn't feel I could do it anymore. But of course, as is absolutely true that you said earlier, it was important to always give her goals they shouldn't stop. And so luckily for me, Phil carried on in his way to sort of look after her. I moved back to London in 2008. And of course, I continued to support Kirsty and the hospice through being in London, through working for Mr. Alfired. And also Kirsty still came up to stay in London if she needed to be staying somewhere. And we stay in Park Lane, you know, looked after as always by Mr. Alfired. So it didn't end at all. Obviously, I didn't stay in the same way. I wasn't forefront anymore and I was glad to take a step back. I really was. It was time. It was time. Yeah. yeah. And you started to get people, unfortunately, some very small minded people saying things like, oh, she's still alive. You know, you told her she was, you know, she was terminal. It was all yeah. thing to say because we never wanted her to go, obviously. But she People did. can be so cruel, can't they? Yeah, well, that really hurt. I mean, you know, not particularly me. I did from afar, but it did hurt people. It was unkind. But, you know, I, I did think there was a time where it was time to stop it. And she'd done her bit. Francis House Children's Hospice and the name of Francis House was built because of Kirsty. Yeah. It had been you there may- before, but nobody had heard of it particularly. No. You mentioned Al Fired. I actually went with you. You've probably forgotten this. One New Year's Day. I stayed in that Park Lane apartment. <laughs> <laughs> One year, Kirsty opened the Harrods sale, didn't she, with Victoria Beckham? Victoria Beckham, yes, that's right. It, it was after that. I'm, I'm interrupting in your memories, aren't I? But I think no, it come was, on, fill, fill me in. <laughs> I think it was the year after that. It was oh, a lady that was married to Princess Diana's father. Rain, yeah, her name was Rain, wasn't it? She was involved yeah. in Mr. Alfired. Wasn't she opening the Harrods sale a year or two after you'd been down with Kirsty and they were giving the proceeds of that morning to the charity? Yeah, that's right. So, so we went down, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, weren't we lucky to yeah. have a lovely place to stay? Weren't we amazing, lucky? Amazing. Yeah. So now we've moved to the time when you were in London and you were working for the Al-Fayed, was it called the Al-Fayed Foundation? Yes. I was a representative on behalf of Mr. Al-Fayed and Camilla Al-Fayed for his foundation, which is the Mohammed Al-Fayed Foundation. That foundation had actually been helping Francis House and Zoe's place and lots of places, you know, right the way up till then. But they hadn't had somebody like, they hadn't had a person with the job, really. It just sort of always fell on whoever was in the office to maybe answer the mail. So there was no one really coordinating it, really. So he asked me, would I go and coordinate the appeal? And I was thrilled to do it. It was just beyond a bonus to be able to do that. And at the time, working from Harrods, 33% discount. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Did you have an office in Harrods? Well, I didn't have an office, but I <laughs> used an office in Harrods. Oh, wow. Well, he sold it. I mean, that was just a joy. Can what you a imagine? dream. What a dream. <laughs> I think 33% discount was unbelievable. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was the, I mean, it's just as well, because I couldn't afford anything in Harris. goodness me. He'd always been sort of somebody that was in the background. I always knew he was a very kind man. I always knew he was a man that you couldn't edit. I always thought he was a much maligned man, but it wasn't until I worked for him that I realised that he really was the most generous man I'd ever met. Wonderful, wonderful. Still is, poorly, but still is. And he really gave me another lease of life, another lease of life that I had no idea would ever take place. And my job was to literally spend uh, an awful lot of money a year, up to a million. And I could decide, when I say I could decide, I had to actually prove to Mr. Alfie that this is where the money should go. So it wasn't just a case of, oh, I'll do this and I'll do that. It was very, very difficult sometimes, but I was inundated with requests, all sorts of things from... One day I'd get a call from someone in Syria saying, we've got conjoined twins. Could you possibly sort out an aircraft? Could you get the twins over to Great Ormond Street? And I would then go to Mr. Alfired and obviously ask the question. In that particular case, straight away, he said, yes, but just the mother and the father and the nurse, there must be a nurse on the aircraft and bring them. Not only that, we sorted out where they would stay and of course, separating conjoined twins takes an awful long time. It was nearly two years that we supported them. They were separated successfully. Marvellous end to a story. Things like that happened every day. So you can imagine how awe-inspiring yeah. this job was. Goodness. It was fantastic. Then he'd say, OK, I'd like to know about this particular street, street children's charity in Egypt. So, you know, get yourself over there and... <laughs> and see what you think and off I go and talk about learn how other places treat the children and what goes on in life in hospices hospices hospitals and schools it was brilliant way of learning about different countries and how they prosper and also definitely don't and how poor they can be I really got it from the bottom line from everywhere I went he then sent me to Mongolia I remember, I remember going to get the visa and thinking, can't believe you're going to Mongolia. It's, it's sort of one of those places you never dream of going, isn't it? No, no. Is you use it, don't you, as an expression? Get out to, to out out Mongolia. Mongolia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out to Mongolia. Uh, I know. And off I went. And that was an experience, that was. I mean, oh, fantastic experience. 
because the atmosphere in Mongolia is so bad, they burn everything. So, you know, it's just so polluted, really, really dangerously polluted. Kids living in these areas are not very healthy at all. Went to orphanages. We helped so many schools and orphanages there. That was a really, really exciting thing to do, to make the changes. I loved being in Mongolia and I loved helping the people out there. You know, Mr. Alfired, he had so many strings to his bow and he gave me the opportunity of learning just a few of them. Incredible. If you had to choose one part of your life, so you've got the paper dolls, the radio and television bit, the Kirsty appeal and the Alfired bit, which was your favourite? The most rewarding would definitely be the Kirsty appeal. Yeah. It would that's have exceptional. Yeah. That's the most rewarding in every way because I never thought we could achieve five million because it's such an enormous amount of money. And to see those noughts adding up and going in the right direction and finally getting there, that was absolutely fantastic. And to do it within her lifetime, I just never thought we'd ever get there because I thought we'd either lose her or lose momentum or something would go wrong. And so I felt that was a great achievement. I was terribly worried when I got my breast cancer because I thought that's going to really stop me in my tracks. But actually, it motivated me more. Yeah. It got me out from feeling sorry for myself. Remember you and I going to buy that deodorant? Yes. <laughs> so you, you've remembered that. I still use that deodorant to this day. We went to Cholton because not yeah. to use aerosols, don't use aerosols. And we went to that place, you remember? It was, it was like an icy cold deodorant. I can't That's remember. Right. And it wasn't it a was... spray. It was, you know, it was a... <laughs> you, yeah. They suggest you don't use sprays. We've been through a lot of little bits, Suze, haven't we, over the years? We have. Well, I just want to say, maybe this shouldn't be a book. Maybe this should be a film. Can you imagine this? <laughs> Your life as a film. It's been wonderful listening today. Oh. Thank you so much for taking the time out from your lockdown. <laughs> it's been very strange for me. It's been very strange. Lots of things we've talked about I haven't talked or thought about. No. Apart from Kirsty, who I think about every time I go by Southern Cemetery. The other things, they just pale, don't they? Sometimes I'll hear something and I'll think, Oh, Yellow Submarine, yeah, I went to that premiere of the Beatles' Yellow Submarine, to the party, and I actually said a few words on news at 10, and I think, and I think to myself, did that really happen? You know, sometimes I look back and there's certain things, I think, that well, is somebody else. It happened Incredible. to me because it's, it seems just ridiculous. Yeah, but definitely, it's definitely got, a film. Definitely uh, a film. <laughs> the only thing I've got wrong in my whole life, well, men... <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. I think so. Men and money. They're the things I've got wrong. Men and money. <laughs> uh, a very rich old man. <laughs> well, I've heard. I've heard of people having meeting people and having love in lockdown. So there's still time. I'm sure. Oh, I hope not. I hope there's not going to be a lot, a lot more lockdown for me. Yeah. I think it's going to be lovely next year to think about having a bit of freedom again. Yeah, it? it's something to look forward to. Thank you so much for coming here today. And maybe if I'm still doing this in a year or so, we'll do the next instalment. Thank you very much, Susie. It's and a take great, care. Great pleasure. Great pleasure. <laughs>